This is Who Deserves a Monument, Episode 2. Why am I wearing a microphone? I'm trying out for American Idol. All right, so they're going to document my life a little bit, just the journey. Hopefully it becomes a great story and you guys all vote me and I'm the next big thing. Oh, you're not joking. I am joking. All right, good catch. This is Mr. Toops, Bryn Toops, in 2018. He's an American Studies teacher at City Neighbors High School, a small charter school in Northeast Baltimore. He mostly teaches ninth grade. This is his seventh year of teaching. He'll be 30. He wears skinny jeans, t-shirts, and sneakers most days. He's a Libra. He has a giant tattoo of a wolf surrounded by magnolia flowers on his shoulder, in honor of his daughter, Wolf Magnolia. Not to be outdone, by himself. He has a son named Blues Wildly. His other tattoos include a dead rat, in homage to Baltimore, and the letter N for his wife, Natalie. Mr. Toops is where this podcast began. He created a unit, Who Deserves a Monument, at his high school, and it was so good Baltimore City Schools asked him to turn it into a curriculum for sixth grade. I came in during his sixth year teaching the unit and recorded the classroom happenings. All right, so yesterday, again, we got introduced to a problem that's going on in the United States right now. There are thousands of landmarks that are named after or structures that have been built that are in honor or were dedicated to people who supported the Confederacy, whether they were generals or political leaders or even soldiers who fought in the Civil War for the side that wanted to keep slavery in place. If there was one of those in your neighborhood, and we hear from at least three people, how would you feel? What would you do? Kenyell says, it's racist symbolism, but... Then I say I wouldn't do nothing about it because it don't have nothing to do with me. I said they obviously put it up there for a reason. Kenyell talks about it. Hey, you know, it's racist, right? Obviously, like, that's not something that you would want in your neighborhood. If there's something that represents racism, especially against your people, not cool, right? But, and this is understandable, too, and you're not alone in this, you wouldn't feel the need to take action, all right? Maybe you don't feel like it's actually really hurting you or it's threatened against you. Somebody built it. Somebody paid a lot of money. You think it's there for a purpose. We'll definitely talk about purpose today. Uh, go for it. Nate. I would feel angry because I don't like how someone put a statue of somebody in our neighborhood if they are cruel and supportive of slavery. And also, I would call, like, city council and the, or the people that take down buildings and stuff like that. Definitely. All right, so again, uh, Nate's talking about how he would feel upset. All right, he would call on city council again, trying to get people who have political power who could really take action because you're really not supposed to, can't really do it on your own. Although we will talk about people who did, or we saw that, all right? Anybody else want to share? What if our new generation will learn about what happened, of the bad vibes that happened a long time ago, and that's not good for our next generation? Absolutely. That's a great point, Jocelyn. Our future generation is going to learn from this. If a racist monument or symbol is being allowed to stay in your city, right, and people grow up, Jordan, being influenced by that type of thing, how's it going to affect the way that they think? If you're an African-American and that's what you're surrounded by, maybe it's going to impact how you feel every day. Kind of like that example we talked about of the school kid who's maybe African-American and has to walk into Robert E. Lee Elementary School every single day. 
How does that affect their viewpoint? How does that affect them mentally? How does that maybe throw them off of their own positivity? Mr. Toops goes on to talk about the way the city hesitated and waited to remove the monuments. The mayor at that time had formed a commission of historians and art experts to research the origins and intentions of the monuments. In the end, six out of seven commission members voted to remove the monuments immediately. Here's Mr. Toops again. They say remove them, take them down. That was about three years ago. Three years ago, all right? Way before Charlottesville. And it didn't happen right away. One of the reasons she said it was too expensive, all right? You'd have to pay something like $200,000 to get a crew to remove all of them. It's too expensive to take them down. I'm going to leave them up for now. And then Charlottesville happens. And all of a sudden, it's not expensive anymore. As we know, Baltimore removed four Confederate monuments in 2017. What happened next is where our story truly begins. Imagine if you took a trophy, and you know they've all got usually that marble base, and you just ripped off the trophy part, right? Well, that marble base is still there, right? And there's three other marble bases that are still there. This is going to be the basis of our project. Right? We've got an opportunity. That base is your guys' blank canvas. It is what you have an opportunity now, citizens of Baltimore City, to make monuments that you think would send the message that you believe is important. And that maybe one of these gets created and it lasts for 100 years, 200 years. So one that your kids are going to grow up and walk around. Right? Imagine them being able to walk around and experience monuments that are inspiring rather than ones that represent hatred. Right? This is the opportunity we have. And it's not just the opportunity that I'm telling you about for our project, but this is real life. There is an office. He's talking about the Baltimore Office of Promotion and the Arts. It's a city organization, they're city government workers, and they help fund and fuel all the ideas for cool art. They've put out a call. Um, this website, it's not super entertaining to look at. They say something to the effect that the removal of Baltimore's Confederate monuments has captured national attention, and it gives us a sweet opportunity. They're asking for submissions of new monuments. New monuments. It's a question that cities across the country are facing. If you take something down, what goes up in its place? And who decides? Any new monuments in Baltimore will join quite a few others. In fact, one of Baltimore's long-standing nicknames is the Monumental City. Who coined the nickname is a subject of debate. Some say it was former President John Adams as a compliment. Some say it was the editors of a Washington newspaper as a slight. Either way, it was first said in reference to Baltimore's huge monument to George Washington, the first in the nation. The cornerstone for Baltimore's Washington Monument was laid in 1815, and a statue of the man himself was hoisted to the top of a very tall obelisk in 1829. Baltimore also has the oldest Christopher Columbus Monument in the U.S. No, not the one the people dragged into the harbor in 2020. There's a different one, a large obelisk on the northeast side of town, erected in 1792 and still standing today, despite open debate. Baltimore's got monuments to ideas like force, music, war, peace, human will, and energy. We've got monuments to mythical characters and ships. We most recently gained a monument to the dolphin at the National Aquarium. We have a monument to the sport of lacrosse, which is very popular here. We have a Holocaust memorial, a Vietnam War memorial, 
and a very stirring memorial to the 22,000 Polish military officers killed by the Soviet Union in 1940. It makes sense. We have a lot of people of Polish heritage in Baltimore. But as I said in the last episode, Baltimore is a majority African-American city. Our last five mayors have been African-American. Our state's attorney and school superintendent are both black women. Baltimore has arguably the richest black history and legacy in the country. And yet, of the roughly 80 monuments in the city, just four are committed to the achievements of African-Americans. We have monuments to three beloved African-American sons and daughters of Baltimore. Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, abolitionist Frederick Douglass, and singer Billie Holiday. We also have a monument to black soldiers. But mostly, and like most cities, we've got monuments to white guys. It's time for another monumental moment, the founding of Maryland. In 1632, King Charles I of England granted a charter to George Calvert, First Lord Baltimore, giving him rights to a region east of the Potomac River in exchange for a share of the profits from the colony. The territory was named Maryland in honor of Henrietta Maria, the king's wife. Unfortunately, George Calvert died before settlement even began, so the colony went to his son, Cecil, who decided to make Maryland a haven for Roman Catholics who were being persecuted in England. I tell you this because obviously there is a monument to George Calvert in Baltimore. I mean, the city is named after him, Lord Baltimore, as are two counties, Baltimore and Calvert. He also got a main thoroughfare in the city, Calvert Street. His wife, Anne Arundel, she also got a county. His son Cecil, you guessed it, he got a county too. And then his son Charles took over after Cecil died. And can you even believe it? He got a county. You get a county, you get a county. Everybody gets a county. John Eager Howard, he was a colonel in the Revolutionary War. He was governor of Maryland. And guess what he got? I don't even want to say it. A county. He got a county. And two monuments. While a lot of the white men in our monuments, like John Eager Howard, came from elite families who enslaved African Americans, some of them didn't, like writer Edgar Allan Poe or George Peabody, the father of modern philanthropy. Other than Billie Holiday, I think there is only one other monument to a woman in the city, Lizette Woodworth Reese, a former poet laureate of Maryland and Baltimore City school teacher for five decades. So now that you know what's already here and where there's room for improvement, let's go back to the classroom. And so you guys are going to do that. It's going to be our project. We are going to come up and find people that you believe is deserving of a monument in Baltimore City that you would want to see, that you would be, if we're going to idolize these things and put them in fancy statues and spend a lot of money to make, well, who's that kind of person that deserves that? And so before we get into the depths of the project, I want you to freeze right there. Who's the kind of person that we want to find to do that? Well, this is where you're going to give me your rapid fire thoughts. Students call out the characteristics on their lists. Strong. What else? Brickell. Bold. Tanaja. Honest? Yeah. Okay. Said stands up for what they believe in. Call that like you got conviction. 
Leadership. Antonio. Persistence. Persistence, yeah. Got a bunch more. Loyal. I love that. There's got to be more. Tanisha. Optimistic. Optimistic. I like it. Optimistic. Respectful. Kara, did you have one? Responsible. Neat. Encouraging. Encouraging. Anybody else will take as many as you got. Inspiring. Inspiring, definitely. Good job, Wade. Kind-hearted. Kind I'm just going to put kind. Look here. Important. Important. Supportive. Supportive. Guys, I've almost filled up my board. Any others? All right, I'm just going to freeze there. Maybe you copied them down. Just take a second. Let's look at what we've got. Strong, bold, honest, optimistic, respectful, inspiring, intelligent. They stand up for what they believe in. They've got leadership. They're persistent. They're responsible, kind, supportive. They're loyal. They're outgoing. This is who you're looking for, right? This is going to be your task. If you're going to argue that someone really deserves a monument, that this person deserves a statue, that's going to be up and put in Baltimore City, and this is what generations are going to see, and this is going to be the person that we want them to know, that this is who you should look up to, not somebody who supported hatred or racism, then we got to find that person. Mr. Toops lays down some ground rules for the project. The person they ultimately select has to be from Maryland, even better if they're from Baltimore. And it has to be someone who fit the criteria, that long list of attributes they came up with. He cautions them to look at all aspects of their lives to make sure they weren't just good at one thing, but lacking in other areas of character. You're going to give a biography of their life, tell us, educate us who they are, and then you're going to make an argument. This person who's no longer alive is kind of like the product that you're going to sell. Likely most people don't know about them, right? Even the people in the city government might not know about them. And you're going to have to say, hey, Here's what I know about this person. They're from our city, and here's why I believe that they deserve a monument. Toops closes strong, encouraging his students to not just choose the first person they come across, but to find a story that means something to them. I want you to be a better writer. I want you to be a better presenter. But I want you to believe in something. I will workshop with you how to write the best and most convincing argument you've ever written in your life. That's my job. Your job's to find the person. No pressure, Mr. Toops. At this point, students got to work. They each took a laptop and started searching through the Maryland State Archives, Google, and Wikipedia. Over the course of the next couple of weeks, as they made their case and wrote their best and most convincing arguments ever, they'd come to the back of the classroom to talk to me and tell me what they were finding. Hello, my name is Roman Hawkins. I'm in ninth grade. My person is Joe Gans. Joe Gans is, he was considered to be the greatest fighter who, have, who has ever lived. He fought in three divisions, featherweight, lightweight, and welterweight for 18 years and completed over 150 career wins and over 100 knockouts with only 12 losses. I asked Roman what spoke to him about Joe Gans. It showed me, like, what, what I could do, like, all the stuff that he went through being an African-American at that time. He started professionally boxing in 1891. 
And, like, at that time, there was a lot of stuff going on. How he wrote, how he rised to fame at that time just shows me that you could really be anything if you put your mind to it, no matter what's going on outside of all this stuff. you got to put effort into it. 1891 was indeed a crazy time. We'll cover that in Episode 5. Next up is Jamar. My name is uh, Jamar. I'm in ninth grade. My person is Babe Ruth. He deserves a moment and because, one, he supports black people playing baseball when no one else did. And then it has been over, like, 60 years since he's lived, and everyone still knows what he was great for and still says he was the ba- best uh, baseball player in history. If it wasn't for his parents putting him into a uh, strict environment, um, he wouldn't have became a baseball player as he is known today. He went to a Catholic school because um, he started um, skipping school and just uh, being, like, just rude to everybody around the neighborhood. So they put him into a stricter uh, school because they didn't really have a lot of time to deal and talk to him, so they didn't have any, like, parent guidance. This is Jaikarion. He's in 10th grade. My person is Victorine um, Q. Adams. Okay. Um, the reason why she deserves a monument is because being the first African-American woman to serve in the city council is that and is that hard work and effort and the courage to stand up and take place and make the um, city a better organized place, especially for um, African-American women's rights. And that's a big deal part about it. I asked Jaikarion what having a monument to Victorine Q. Adams would mean. How her story told as a monument can affect on other people, including our today's government, no matter what your race is, what gender you are. You should have a right to, like, do what you got to do. As of today, it's like feeling like the racism of our society, including Baltimore, is like trying to come back and take over what's theirs. And sometimes we need images of art or monuments or statues of these type of people who impact our community or our society and even maybe the whole nation. You should always, like... Give the people a light, a pathway. Well said. So the theme of this podcast, the whole point, is that I had never heard of 90% of the people the students wrote about. So I went home and I learned about them. Joe Gans, he is thought by some to be the greatest lightweight boxer of all time. He fought with scientific precision, finding and attacking the weaknesses of his opponents. He never weighed more than 137 pounds, but he regularly fought and beat heavier opponents. Gans was the first African-American to win a world boxing championship and the first to win a lightweight boxing title. He gave so much hope. In a white man's world, he somehow emerged victorious. His legacy was cut short. He died at just 35 of tuberculosis and is buried in Baltimore's Mount Auburn Cemetery. Victorine Q. Adams? Well, you'll just have to listen to episode six to learn about Victorine Adams. For now, it's time for the big show. After six weeks of learning, researching, writing, and sculpting, the students are ready for the Monument Expo. Mr. Toops' students spread out across the school, auditorium, classrooms, cafeteria, library, 
They stand behind folding tables that display their prototype monuments, and they're prepared to deliver their presentations. People file in and cycle through the presenters one at a time. The audience includes the rest of the students from the school and representatives from the mayor's office, city council, and the Baltimore Office of Promotion and the Arts. My name is Dakai Jackson, and uh, I'll tell you three facts about Perrin Mitchell. Perrin Mitchell was the first African-American elected to Congress from Maryland, and uh, he also served as a mentor to later black congressmen in Maryland. He was also lieutenant governor of Maryland. He was chairman of the House, and he has a son with the same name, and his son's son has the same name as him, too. My name is Demel Clark, and this will be about William Henry Chick Webb and his amazing life accomplishments he made. I believe William Henry Chick Webb, or just Chick Webb, deserves a monument because he was one of the most major drummers of the swing era. He had over 61 hits that broke records, including his top song, which was Stomping the Savoy, what he did with Ella Fitzgerald. And he held music lessons for younger kids that wanted to grow up to be just like him. This monument um, is a tribute to him because the asteroid is him and the earth is like music and other people's lives. So like how the asteroid is impacting the earth is like how he impacted music and everyone else in their lives. Um, so are you into music? Um, I was, but it was like a phase growing up. I fell off a little bit when I got in, introduced to different things. Did doing this project make you like be more interested in jazz or other kinds of music? Yes, because it's, at first I really didn't think much of jazz, but it's, or like swing, but like until I like found out that all his music was hits, which was over 61, it was like, well, wow, it must be like a good genre to look into, so. My name is Tayon Tari, and I'm going to tell you about the amazing life that Irene Morgan had activists who fought for her rights on the Greyhound bus ride. She was actually the first black woman to go through the bus experience. It wasn't Rosa Parks. I know many people believe that it was. She's a fighter. The first court case that she had been through, she didn't win her case. But the second time, she went back and she decided that she wanted to fight some more. So she won her court case. Um, the second reason why I believe that she should have a monument is because she's a very given person. Most people, when they see a homeless person out on the street, they don't think they do much. Sometimes they give them money, but most times they don't. Her, every Thanksgiving, she decided to allow them into her home so that they can have a nice dinner and just be comfortable for once. I believe that if it wasn't for her, we would still be in the back of the bus. It just wouldn't be equal. So I'm looking at your monument. It's got a black base, like a small rectangular base. It says Irene Morgan on it. And then it looks like it could be a flame or a knife. Okay, I was going to say a knife first, and then I thought maybe a flame. So it's got like a tall knife with a black handle and a gold um, blade that's standing up on end. And then what is this piece laying down on the side? So basically, this is a smaller knife and laying on the my base because... These were the people who felt like she didn't need to win her case. They didn't believe in her. And the big knife, she, this is her, basically. She was a fighter. I basically chose these colors because she was a black woman, simply. And I chose the gold because her heart was filled with gold. 
Hi, my name is Diamond Tomlin, and I believe that Irene Morgan deserves a monument. She had a modest upbringing and working all jobs just to help her family. She was born April 9, 1917 in Baltimore, Maryland. She went back to college at the age of 68 to get her bachelor's and master's degree. She ended up getting arrested for when she refused her seat. But instead of her giving, uh, Morgan sought the NAACP consul and her case made it to the United States Supreme Court in Ivory Morgan versus Commonwealth of Virginia in 1946. It gave me like an idea of like the reason why I should be like helping others. This is mainly about rights and like for people to know their rights and to stand up for them. My name is LaCara and today I will be telling you why I chose Ida R. Cummings as a person who deserves a monument in Baltimore City. She was the first African-American teacher, and she was an officer of the Colored Women Club in 1910. She was elected correspondent secretary of the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs. She was born on March 17, 1867. She died November 1958. So now I'm going to tell you about my monument. So I chose the black platform for African-American women. And as you can see the word women on the book, you can't really see it because women are overlooked. So what have teachers meant to you in your, in your life? Do you have a favorite teacher? Yes, I have a favorite teacher. Her name is Miss Oliver. She is my favorite teacher because she encouraged me to do better. Like, if I felt like I, did, I didn't know what I was doing in a subject, she would encourage me to try to, like, try to do better in the subject because I would give up but she told me never give up so and she she believed in you yes sounds like so do you believe in yourself more now because of Miss Oliver yes hi my name is Malik Williams and I did my project on Francis Harper Francis Harper was a famous uh, author poet and activist during her time period she believed that women deserve to vote same way as men did in the state of Maryland we had a law that talked about how that if a free slave like herself was caught and sent to jail, that she could be that they could be sold in slavery. And she wanted to get rid of that law. I'm not sure she actually did get rid of that law. I didn't get deep into it. But the reason why I chose a megaphone as my to represent her is because I mean it's to show how she voiced her opinion and got what she believed in out there, and it shortly paid off in the long run afterwards. My name's Noelle Flanoy. My monument is dedicated to Victorine Quill Adams. In 1946, she formed the Colored Women's Democratic Campaign. The campaign was to give women in the Democratic Party a say in the votes because then they really couldn't have a loud voice in it. And after she was in the House of Delegates, she ran for city council and won. And she held the seat until 1983. So what do you think she did for the city? So I think if people did know about her, that she, they would, like, have confidence in being in politics or just being a first in politics. Are you interested in politics? I was at one point, but no. What's changed your mind? Well, because I'm not much of a speaker, so to say. I'm more of a doer. Like, I like to be challenged and everything, so I'm not really that kind of person. So you want to be more behind the scenes yeah. making a change. Right. I appreciate that. But you're a great speaker, too.
So don't sell yourself short. Thank you. My name is Gregory Satterfield. My monument on William Parker. William Parker was a slave that was born in Anne Arundel County. And one day he told his brother that, you know, he got tired of being a slave and he wanted to get out of slavery and seek freedom. So they set out for Pennsylvania, specifically Christiana, Pennsylvania. Him, his brother, and a group of slaves that they gathered up built a farmhouse. And one day, a, a Maryland slave master named Edward Gorsuch and a U.S. marshal thought that it was his slaves at Parker's house. So they went on march to his house to go fight and get them slaves. And Parker was like, Parker wasn't afraid of anyone. So by the time he got over there, the um, the slaves already knew that he was coming. So by the time they got over there, they set a trap for him. He's one of the inspirations for the Black Panther Party and the rebellion. So he's a very important person in American history and in Maryland history. My name is Wade Abrams. I built my monument to honor John Henry Murphy Sr. He was born into slavery on Christmas Day in 1840, and he was a slave for about 24 years because that's when he, I think somebody broke him out. He helped build the African-American community in Baltimore by sharing its news, pressing for civil rights, and reporting on abuses. So what spoke to you in particular of all the people you could have picked? Why did you pick John Murphy? I picked him because he reminded me a lot about one of my great great uh uh ancestors back then who fought for the mil- who was in the military have you thought about joining the military no yeah why why not i mean i just don't it don't seem like the right thing for me yet yeah what is the right thing for you right for now i really can't tell i'm still looking for like what i want to be when i grow up so he was a journalist do you do you read the news or watch the news uh no not that much do you think maybe you should I feel like it will help me better to understand what's going on in this world. Yeah. To watch the news. Yeah. My name is Tashawn Sisdale, and my person is John Murphy Sr. He grew up as a slave, and he was freed through slavery with Emancipation Proclamation. After he was freed, he went straight into the war. And then after the war, he started his own newspaper company called Afro-American. Uh, my monument, it's a broken cuff. And I chose it because it represents freedom. When John Murphy was free, he let all his goals come into place, and he lived his best life. It inspires me to try my best because he didn't have anything at first, and he grew up, like, through harsh times. And then he was able to maintain through that, and then he impacted the black culture. And I didn't know that the Afro-American newspaper came from all the way back then. This is Brandon Scott. He was on the city council back then, but now he's Baltimore's mayor. He came to hear the students' presentations, and I asked him about it. 
City Neighbors is a school that I have a great relationship with. I'm here all the time. Uh, but this particular project, I was here a few years ago when we had the big monument controversy, and students were asking me why I wanted to take down the monuments. And we told them that, look, people who did great things should be honored, but not those who didn't. I'm here today to hear the young students talk about people from Baltimore that are actually deserving of monuments and to see the excitement on their eyes to know, to learn about people in Baltimore who have done great things that they didn't even know about. So that's why I'm here today. I asked him what he had heard that inspired him. Uh, a lot that people, that young people here are are now, some of them saying that they think they can do these kind of things, right? Well, to hear young women talk about Victorine Adams, the first black woman to be on the city council in Baltimore, and then relate that to that's actually where I work today for them. That just makes a connection from history and real life for them to show that they can do things. To hear them talk about, uh, you know, people who are activists that refused to give up their seat on Greyhound bus long before, before Rosa Parks, it just makes them think about how things are possible for them and that the world that people say about them as being young people in Baltimore is not true, that they can achieve greatness. After the expo, I went back to Mr. Toops's classroom to get his take on the day. All right, so it's much quieter now. The, the, the crazy is over. Um, how are you feeling in this moment? Oh, I'm feeling uh, super proud of my students. We've had so many conversations you know, in the past six weeks about who deserves a monument, what it means to them, how Monuments can be a, a positive influence in the in the community and be positive symbols. And just to see the students express themselves today and see the power of their voice, talking to people from the mayor's office and you know asking council members to come over here and hear their ideas and and just being confident and realizing that you know their voice does make a difference, even though they you know they're fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to see. I always get a little bit emotional every single time it happens. Was there anything or anyone that surprised you in particular today? Absolutely. You know, I have students of, of all different learning abilities. There's, there's students that excel academically and, and they don't surprise you, but to see them, you know, turn it on and follow all the way through for it, I'm proud of it. But also as a teacher who teaches students, that have learning disabilities. There is a young man today, uh, Kamari, who um, has a, a stutter, and he was obviously very nervous about it today, not even just talking to his own peers from all over the school, which, of course, is is tough. But just hearing, watching a student fight through that and be willing to talk to 30 different people, most of who they don't know, and knowing that he had to overcome that issue We've been talking about individuals who inspire us and deserve monuments all year. When I see something like that, it's it's super inspiring as well. Yeah, I felt like from the beginning, the theme of perseverance was really strong. Whenever I ask the young people, why did you pick this person? What inspires you? It's a lot of like, they just never quit. And they had all these things stacked against them. Um, and it was it's interesting to me because clearly young people of color still have a lot of things stacked against them in this city and anywhere else. But when they look back and see the things that people who were born into slavery faced and people who fought through Jim Crow, to me, it feels like saw a lot of gratitude today. A lot of kids who were like, wow, it's awesome. People had it a lot worse than me and it's my job to pay it forward. How, how are you going to use this experience kind of to continue to build those muscles the rest of the school year? Sure. Well, you know, I agree with you. Like, 
a theme of a lot of the topics and the people that they find in Baltimore history, they are rooted in that, this kind of idea that, you know, uh, started from nothing and look what these people were able to achieve. And that's been a lot of our conversations. I mean, people like Irene Morgan, they're from a different time period. They were normal people. So it's that kind of theme. As a social studies teacher, we talk about historical themes, but we, everything applies to what they're doing right now. And uh, I want them to see that they don't have to wait till they're adults to start taking on these issues. They can start now if they're passionate about it, uh, just like today. So what about you? Are you ready? Are you inspired? When I came home from the Monument Expo, I sat down at my computer and I started searching. Searching for more information on these names I heard over and over again that day and in all the days I spent in the classroom. I wanted to know, who was keeping these stories? Were these people really so great? As I dug deeper and deeper into books and archives and historical texts, a whole world cracked open for me. With each new character I met, I woke up to the street names and the buildings and the parks and the symbols all around me in Baltimore. I realized that great people know great people, and that these stories, they were all connected. Yes, there were firsts. Yes, there were fighters. But there is so much more to these stories. So this podcast is kind of about monuments and kind of about five amazing people. But by listening, you'll learn about 150 years of history from towering figures and everyday heroes. This podcast is a lot about narrative, who controls it and who should. It must be said, I'm a white woman, and I shouldn't tell these stories alone. So I asked for the help of more than a dozen amazing storytellers along the way, living descendants of our heroes, historians, and artists. Together we'll laugh, we'll gasp, we might cry. But one thing's for sure, we'll all be better for knowing these stories. Who Deserves a Monument is developed, written, and produced by me, Sarah Lonis, with sound design, mixing, and editing by Chloe Vantel. Our cover art is by Deshaun Fortune. I'd like to give a special thanks to Bryn Toops, Cheyenne Zart, Mayor Brandon Scott, and all of the incredible students at City Neighbors High School. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating and a review. Who Deserves a Monument is a production of Booksmart Media. See you next time. <laughs>